Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Throughout the centuries, relationships between God and man have centered around three things, liberty, law, and love. We'll take a look at all three of them next, from Psalm 119, next, right here on Abounding Grace. To have a relationship with the God of this universe, quite an amazing thing to consider, but when you consider that there's liberty in this relationship, along with law, boundaries, guidelines, at the heart of it all is love. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. We're back in Psalm 119, verses 41 through 48 today, as we take a final look at our message called Liberty, Law, and Love. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner now with today's broadcast. Wouldn't you think the longest chapter in the Bible would be about Jesus or salvation or the Holy Spirit or forgiveness of sins or going to heaven when you die? But it is a hymn of praise to God for all of His laws in the Bible. It is praising God for all the laws and commandments and statutes and ordinances and regulations and rules He has given us in His book so we can live holy lives before Him. Not so that we might be regenerated. We're not regenerated by the law. That's by God's grace alone. It is so we can live holy lives before God out of gratitude for what he's done on our behalf. And the psalmist says, I love to sing something like this because I delight in thy commandments. They cause me pleasure. They bring me joy. And then verse 48 says, My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved and will meditate in thy statutes. He is saying, Lord, as I think about all your commandments, I love them. I delight in them and hold them up before you, thanking you for giving me all those laws to live by. I'm sorry I failed to live by them as I should. I thank you for the forgiveness that comes through the blood of Jesus. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit as he enables me to obey to some degree. And I look forward to that day when I die. And I will be able to obey every last one of them perfectly forever. Is that you? Or are you one of those who picks and chooses which of God's laws you are going to, be, to obey? Or which ones you're going to take all that seriously? Is the law of God a burden to you? Does it cramp your style? Do you mean I have to be concerned with whether my thoughts are in the obedience to the law of God? Or whether this action or that activity is an obedience to the law of God? 
whether I should be relating to my husband this way or that way? Do you mean I'm actually supposed to give God a 10% of my income? I'm supposed to spend one of my days off in its entirety in worshiping the Lord? Are you telling me that all the details of life are regulated by the jots and tittles of the Word of God? And I should delight in all those details that regulate every area of my life? No. I'm not telling you you should. I'm telling you that is how a true Christian will think of the law of God. As a natural man, you weren't born delighting in the law of God. But because God touched you and transformed your heart from stone to flesh, He gave you a supernatural delight that you never had before. Now are you embarrassed that you fall short in your obedience? If not, then you better question your motives. You better question what you really hold in your heart. The law of God, all of it, should be a joy for you and you should be thankful in how detailed they are because they help you in the details of loving. They help you live obediently in the details of life. You should be thankful that God's law is not some rogue, abstract thing, but instead speaks to you where you live your life every day. And be thankful that He has given you the grace to enable you to do what He has commanded you. I urge you to pray Augustine's great prayer. Lord, give what you command and command what you will. In other words, Lord, give me the strength to do whatever you want me to do and then command me to do anything and I'll do it. That must be the attitude of every Christian. Now, what about liberty? That word has also been redefined by our culture. And I hope you understand one of the most effective ways to de-Christianize a culture is to change the meanings of the words the church uses. If you get out a dictionary from a hundred years ago and you look up certain words and you compare the definitions to the same words today, you'll get very different meanings. And it's not an accident, brethren. It is a purpose-driven gutting of the English, English language to de-Christianize America. Love, of course, is one example. Our culture believes love is a feeling, but it is, of course, what? What is love in Scripture? It is the fulfilling of the law of God. So what about liberty? First of all, our culture would be totally confused to see law and liberty used positively in the same phrase. But it not only says in verse 47, I delight in thy commandment which I love, but it also says in verses 44 and 45, So I will keep thy law continually forever and ever, and I will walk at liberty. That means literally in a wide place. 
In other words, there would be nothing to hinder me, nor constrain me, or cause me to stumble. I will walk at liberty for because I seek thy precepts. So what the psalmist is saying is I'm going to keep your law forever and ever as you give me the strength to do so because I know that it is only as I seek your precepts and seek to obey you that I walk in liberty as a free man and not a slave. Now brother, our age doesn't believe that, nor do a lot of our brethren. But what does our age believe freedom is? Liberty is the freedom to do whatever I want to do, to express myself, to authenticate myself in whatever way seems meaningful to me. If sleeping with someone other than my wife is meaningful and self-authenticating to me, then heck, I'm going to do it. I have freedom to do that as a human being. Homosexuals believe they have the liberty to express themselves by having sexual relationships with people of the same gender. And how can society deny them their equal rights for such perverted activities? Because if you don't believe that love is the fulfillment of the law of God, then anything is possible. If the culture believes that liberty is doing what you feel like doing, that liberty is doing whatever is meaningful to the individual, then how can we deny the right of perverts to marry? If you do not believe that love is the fulfillment of the law of God, then it doesn't matter how you may feel about homosexuality. They should have the right to carry on their perversion and even marry. So what is liberty then if it's not expressing yourself however you desire? Well, if you read a lot of books by humanists, which I certainly hope most of you do not do, they say for freedom to truly be freedom, it has to be unlimited. But there is no such thing as unlimited freedom. Freedom for everyone has boundaries. The question becomes, who is going to set the boundaries? Whose standards are, are we going to live by? Who will set the limits on right or wrong? Your experiences and your desires? My experiences and my desires? Or is it going to be the will of the living God? Even though pagan so-called intellectual say freedom has no limits. Everyone really knows freedom cannot be totally unrestrained. I believe everyone in this room can imagine what society would be like if the laws in America were abolished because we understand the depravity of man. A world of unlimited freedom is a world of slavery, misery, and chaos. When unregenerated man separates freedom from the law of God, it always becomes a perverted thing. And when unregenerated man tries to set limits on freedom, those limits always exclude biblical principles. What does our culture believe about speech? It believes you should be able to publish any kind of perverse, gross, pornographic literature you want. I mean, we believe in freedom of speech, don't we? 
Shouldn't you be free to say or publish whatever you desire? Except by their standards. You can't teach creation in the public schools or mention God or have the Ten Commandments in a federal courthouse. All of a sudden, there's a limit put on speech. And if you mention God in a commencement speech, well, we've got to turn the mic off. You must stick to the ACLU-approved speech. Now, as Christians, what do we believe? We believe that God alone is the one worthy to set limits on freedom. Freedom for the Christian is not to do whatever you want to do or whatever you think the Holy Spirit moves you to do. Liberty for the Christian is freedom to do and be whatever God wants you to do and be. The Bible says we're not free until we've been freed. Jesus said when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Until we know Jesus Christ and have surrendered our lives to Him and been transformed by His grace, we are slaves to sin. We are anything but free men and women. We are wrapped up in chains holding us down, keeping us from being the people God has created us to be. It's only when Jesus Christ comes in by the power of the Holy Spirit and sets us free from the power of sin and death, that we are free for the first time in our lives. He sets us free. He gives us liberty to obey His law and love one another. Brothers and sisters, God's liberty is not freedom to pick and choose what laws of God you will obey or just how serious you will take His law. He sets you free from sin, enabling you now to obey every jot and tittle of His law word. Oh, certainly not perfectly. But if you truly love the Lord your God, you will do everything possible to be obedient to His Word because that is why He liberated you. And in this freedom, the Holy Spirit will never lead you to disregard or be lax in your obedience. That is the old nature whispering lies in your ears. The Holy Spirit only leads you to strict obedience to God out of gratitude and love. Beloved, we must take seriously all of God's word concerning the Lord's day. We cannot keep it as we desire to keep it unless, of course, our desire is the same of God's will, which it should be. Liberty in Christ does not give us license to disregard God's commands concerning His Sabbath. And if we do disregard God's will concerning honoring the Sabbath day, we set our word above God's in this matter. Now there be me some of you out there saying, but that Colossians 2.16 gives you the liberty to do as you wish on the Sabbath. So let's read that verse. Colossians 2, 16. Let no man, therefore, judge you in meat, or in drink, 
or in any respect to any holy day or of new moon or of the Sabbath days. Now, if you were to take this verse out of context, you might think it was speaking of the weekly Sabbath. And if it's not, what else could it possibly mean? Chapter 2 of Colossians is addressing the issue of the Judaizers in the midst of the believers at Colossae. The Judaizers were those in the church that still clung to Jewish traditions and Old Testament ceremonial laws. In verses 4 and 8 and 18, he warns the Christians not to listen to such men, for they may beguile you, deceive you into merging Christianity with Judaism. And in verse 16, Paul is warning the Christians at Colossae not to let anyone tell them that to be a Christian, they have to hold to the ceremonial laws like abstaining from certain foods and keeping festivals such as the Feast of Tabernacles or such things as sabbatical years. The ceremonial laws pointed to Christ and the salvation he brought to his chosen people. After Christ's death and resurrection, those laws and only those laws were abrogated because Christ accomplished all that those laws pointed to. The Lord's Day is not a part of the ceremonial law. It is part of the moral law, the Ten Commandments, and is still obligatory to us today, along with all that entails that I touched on last week. We are not at liberty to spend the day any way we choose. Just as God has ordained the proper way to love, the proper relationship between a husband and wife, the proper role of civil government, he gives us a proper way to spend that one day in seven that he gives us to spend wholly in his worship. For those of you who still believe you have liberty in this matter, let me read to you chapter 20 of the Westminster Confession of Faith. Chapter 20 of Christian liberty and the liberty of conscience. The liberty which Christ hath purchased for believers under the gospel consists in their freedom from the guilt of sin, the condemning wrath of sin, the curse of the moral law, and in their being delivered from this present evil world, bondage to Satan and dominion of sin. From the evil afflictions, the sting of death, the victory of the grave, and everlasting damnation, as also in their free access to God and their yielding obedience unto Him, not out of slavish fear, but a childlike love and a willing mind. All which were common also to believers under the law, but under the New Testament, the liberty of Christians is further enlarged in their freedom from the yoke of the ceremonial law to which the Jewish church was subjected, and in greater boldness of access to the throne of grace, and in fuller communion of the free spirit of God than believers under the law did ordinarily partake of. God alone is Lord of the conscience, and hath left it free from the doctrines and commandments of men, which are in anything contrary to his word or beside it, if matters of faith or worship. 
so that to believe such doctrines or to obey such commands out of conscience is to betray true liberty of conscience, and the requiring of an implicit faith and an absolute and blind obedience is to destroy liberty of conscience and reason also. Brothers and sisters, this obedience is to be from the heart. If it is not from the heart, then it is not true obedience. They who upon pretense of Christian liberty do practice any sin or cherish any loss, do thereby destroy the end of Christian liberty, which is that being delivered out of the hands of our enemies, we might serve the Lord without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. And because the powers which God hath ordained and the liberty with Christ hath purchased are not intended by God to destroy, but mutually to uphold and preserve one another, they who upon pretense of Christian liberty shall oppose any lawful power or the lawful exercise of it, whether it be civil or ecclesiastical, resistance, resist the ordinances of God. And for their publishing of such opinions or maintaining of such practices as are contrary to the light of nature or to the known principles of Christianity, whether concerning faith, worship, or conversation, or to the power of godliness, or such erroneous opinions or practices as either in their own nature or in the manner of publishing or maintaining them or destructive to the external peace and order which Christ has established in the church, they may lawfully be called to account and proceeded against by the censors of the church and by the power of the central magistrate. In other words, Christ's love for us liberated us to love him as we should in obedience to his law word, not in disregard to those commands we may feel are harsh or true, too restrictive. Now, after saying all of this, my sermon on honoring the Sabbath day last week was not written to condemn anyone. I preach that sermon as I do any, to edify you and call you to a righteous life that so you will receive all of the rich blessings of Almighty God. Neither skip nor I will stand over your life and bring condemnation if you fail in this matter. But if you come to us depressed or stressed out or fatigued or with a problem with anger or anything else, you can expect us to call you to repentance if you're not keeping the entire Lord's day as he has called you to do. For you can certainly expect trials if you disregard any of God's ordinances. One last word. Last week's sermon, and my preparation for it, was very convicting for me. As some of you have shared with me, it was for you as well. Praise God, he's opened your eyes to these truths. Live it as best you can. But don't you dare, pietistically, look down your nose at someone else if they don't. Set the example and gently and, climb, gently and kindly decline any invitation that your conscience won't allow you to accept on the Sabbath. And then shut your mouth.
Do not allow this to become a divisive issue. Instead, praise God for your newfound freedom to worship Him as He desires to be worshipped. Amen. And this is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church of San Jose. As we conclude our time today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know the program encourages you as you take the time to join us as we study God's Word together. We'd love to hear from you. It means a great deal to us. It always does. 408-866-5607 is our phone number. Again, 408-866-5607. If you wish to visit us online, you'll be able to gather more information about us, who we are, what we believe, and where we meet. It's all found at reformedheritage.org. That's reformedheritage.org. You can also drop us an email there as well. We even have past messages available online that you can tap into freely at your convenience. Again, reformedheritage.org or call 408-866-5607. Now, normally, we would invite you to join us for worship, but because of the shelter-in-place orders, we are suspending our in-person worship services here at Abounding Grace and Reformed Heritage Church of San Jose. If you'd like to know more, again, call us at 408-866-5607, or visit our website, reformedheritage.org. And then we also invite you to write to us. If that is something you don't mind doing, picking up a pen and paper, we'd love to hear from you. You can write Abounding Grace, PMB 402, 1484 Pollard Road, and that's here in Los Gatos. The zip code is 95032. Thank you for spending time with us today. We look forward to hearing from you and looking forward to spending time with you in God's Word again here soon on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. 